0: Welcome back to Ethically Sourced, a supplement of the Black Doctors' podcast. I'm Stephen Bradley, your host. Thanks for joining us this week. With every episode, I do seek to provide some actionable information to help us navigate some challenging ethical situations that we may actually face in clinical practice. This week, I want to provide a framework wherewith you can navigate these situations and hopefully make the best decision for yourself as well as for your patients my background with medical ethics i was very interested after working in the cardiac icu as a resident in anesthesiology there were a lot of complex ethical scenarios and situations that occur intensive care units are kind of notorious for difficult decisions end of life issues utility of care complicated patient dynamics And after a couple of different scenarios, I was inspired to pursue additional training in clinical medical ethics. I completed a year-long fellowship at the McLean Center for Clinical Medical Ethics, and during that year, worked on the ethics consult service and had various lectures and seminars from philosophers and lawyers and allied health professionals, and was able to kind of develop a robust sense of medical ethics and how to make these decisions and more importantly the group was so diverse that we were able to really create a safe space and learn from each other and from our own different backgrounds because so much of ethics is a blend of cultures and knowing where your patients are coming from and being able to meet in the middle or find a solution to their problem it's incredibly important to expose yourself to different points of view different perspectives. It's important to remember when it comes to medical ethics, when you have a a problem with making a decision, you know, you're at a quandary where you're trying to figure out what is the right course of action to take that fulfills the interest of the patient as well as uh, is, is true to the practice of medicine. You can live with it and sleep at night. Bioethics in and of itself encompasses the fields of philosophy, cognitive psychology, communication skills are huge. There's the clinical practice of medicine, that component, and then there's even health law amongst other uh, fields of thought that you need to incorporate. So for me, when it comes down to having these ethical situations, the important thing to remember is that they typically tend to catch you off guard. I don't run into scenarios frequently, but out of the blue, a week ago on a Friday, there were two kind of significant issues that presented themselves and I was able to help navigate. So what has helped me equip myself to be ready for these is just to continue to read. Um, Honestly, doing this podcast episode has allowed me or given me the opportunity to read more and more than I I was doing previously on these different ethical scenarios, whether it's with the COVID-19 vaccines or vaccine passports or other more common issues like informed consent or last week's episode about um, working with residents and trainees and how do we provide excellent care for all patients involved, keep everybody satisfied. So first and foremost, I've just read a lot in addition to the fellowship that I completed. And this allows me to broaden my perspective and kind of see what is the ethical standard of care. Ethics are largely based on culture and what the culture of a certain field of medicine thinks or ethnicities, heritage, um, all those things start to come into play. So when faced with these ethical scenarios, obviously you can't just read ethics papers uh, nonstop. You're mixing this in with whatever other clinical pursuits you have. Uh, But I think one of the first things to do when faced with the ethical dilemma is to break it down into actionable items and to look at all the parties involved. So first look at things from a patient perspective, try and put yourself in their shoes see where they're coming from, what is their level of understanding of the scenario that they're faced with. You need to look introspectively at yourself, you know, realize are there any biases that I'm allowing to affect my judgment or the care I'm providing? Um, Is there something that I need to learn about the patient or about this procedure or course of action? Make sure you do your own due diligence. So we've looked at the patient, we've looked introspectively. You definitely need to look at the institution and the kind of institutional culture because that could play a significant role. One of the easiest things to start with is seeing is there a precedent for whatever this situation may be. Has this come up before? If so, what was done then? Does that sound like a reasonable course of action or... Maybe they got it wrong last time. Maybe the situation was slightly different last time. But first, check to see, is there a precedent for whatever you're dealing with? There may or may not be a precedent. The next thing you can look for is a policy. So there's no need to invent the wheel if there's already a policy in place about how we can send patients for blood products. Or if physicians or providers can refuse to do certain procedures uh, based on their Religious preferences, is there already a policy in place? One thing that comes up frequently is flu shots, whether you can or cannot refuse as a medical worker. And most places already have a policy. What ties into policy is the legal aspect. So you definitely want to get legal involved and make sure, you know, if it pertains to legal, that you're not doing anything that could set you up or your institution up for a lawsuit because there's some state rule or law that you're, you're not privy of. So once you've looked for a precedent, you've looked for the institutional policy, you've possibly included legal. Um, there's usually other people at these healthcare facilities, whether they're called patient advocates, uh, or some other term. And patient advocates may or may not be helpful. They tend to kind of toe the party line. They're typically there, even though they're patient advocates, they're usually there kind of on behalf of the institution. So you kind of have to take their advice with a grain of salt, but know that whatever this patient advocate's saying is probably on behalf of the institution that you're working for. And then a step further is the risk management aspect. And they are definitely working for the institution. And sometimes it's good to have them weigh in, you know, situations where you may need to fire a patient, a patient's been disruptive or unruly or violent, and you have to terminate that patient-physician relationship, then you probably want to involve legal or risk management to see what are you exposing yourself to in terms of liability, what are your obligations to the patients in that regard? And then what is the departmental or hospital policy about when you can terminate that Patient physician relationship. So that's kind of just getting started. You want to make sure you get all the stakeholders involved. The next thing that I typically do is find a trusted colleague just to bounce some ideas off of. It's nice if you trust them, they're not going to think whatever you're saying is crazy or judge you. But being able to talk back and forth what this different course of action you may take and how that would affect your patients or affect yourself. It's helpful to have an extra pair of ears because that person's gonna look at things differently from their own internal biases or their own backgrounds and experiences and culture. And they can provide some valuable feedback and say, hey, you're totally off base here, or yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. Or maybe they empathize with the patient, like I totally get where the patient's coming from. So it's helpful to have another set of ears, if available, and to bounce those ideas off that person. Most institutions also have a hospital ethics committee or an ethics group of some sort where if it escalates to the appropriate level, you may need to involve them as well. And they've typically had more experience with these tough ethical situations and dilemmas and can provide some additional guidance, which may be helpful. I encourage clinicians to kind of develop their own sense of ethics to be able to look objectively at situations and to gather the appropriate details and data from their patients and make those decisions. Because as physicians, we are typically empowered to make these decisions. And sometimes people can look to ethics committees as more of a cop-out that we know this is the right decision, that we do not provide any additional escalation in care. As a physician, I know this is right. We've done all we can for this patient. And what's aligned with this patient's wishes per his circuit decision maker is that we don't do any escalations of care and allow for a peaceful uh, medicated um, pain management and, and allow this patient to pass on. So every now and then people will be in that dilemma as physicians and providers and then go the extra mile to seek an ethics consultation. It's like, well, you really didn't need an ethics consultation. You know what's the right thing to do. Sometimes there's just difficult decisions that need to be made. And as a physician who has, you know, finished medical school or residency, isn't attending whatever the level of training is, it's up to you, honestly, to make those difficult decisions. So the ethics committees are there if needed. But honestly, a lot of these decisions should be able to be made at the uh, physician-patient relationship level. Finally, when you start to engage in these tough ethical dilemmas it's nice to break them down even further and ask yourself a series of questions there is a fantastic book it's called simply clinical ethics a practical approach to ethical decisions in clinical medicine and they have a nice little rubric is actually in the back of the book and dr siegler was a co-author on this he led the ethics fellowship that i participated in And when it comes to these difficult decisions, they recommend breaking them down to four topics. So you're looking at the medical indications involved, the preferences of the patient, the quality of life, and then other contextual features. When it comes to the medical indications, you're looking at the principles of beneficence and non-maleficence. You're identifying the patient's healthcare issue. Is it chronic, acute, reversible? How long is a patient going to be in this state? What are the goals of treatment from a medical perspective, the probabilities of success, and ultimately, how can this patient be benefited by medical care? How can we avoid harm? So that's the first thing to kind of consider. Next, you want to look at the preference of the patients. You want to respect that patient's autonomy. Does the patient know the risk and benefits of the prescribed course of treatment? Do they understand the alternatives? Have they been able to give a fully informed consent? Is there a surrogate decision-maker actually speaking on their behalf and providing input on what the patient themselves would want in this situation? Is the patient incapacitated now? Um, Will they get better in the future to where they can regain control of their own decision-making? Do they want to cooperate with the medical treatment or not? And if not, why? Or, or just really trying to establish the patient as the primary focus and that they are able to drive their own care if they have capacity and competence. The third thing they mentioned is the quality of life, where you really want to look at the principles of beneficence, non-maleficence, and again, the respect for autonomy. So informed consent comes into play here. Um, How do we judge another person's quality of life? That's a big question to ask because so many times terms get thrown around like this patient would have a poor quality of life if they remained trached and pegged for the next 12 years. and It's always a long discussion that can be had on how do we quantify quality of life and who's it based upon. Um, You want to look at are there biases that might be prejudiced? You want to look at are there biases that might prejudice the physician or provider's evaluation of the patient's quality of life? What ethical issues and concerns are we dealing with when we're assessing quality of life? Are we able to provide comfort care for a patient if they decided to forego life sustaining interventions? Are we doing any medically assisted dying? Is that ethical and legal, depending on where you practice and depending on the code of ethics of your certifying body? Um, And then what are the legal and ethical status of physician-assisted suicide where you practice? Those all fall under that quality of life segment when you're breaking these issues down. Finally, there are the contextual features. Some of these overlap with what I mentioned earlier, but you want to look at the professional, interprofessional, or business interests that might create conflicts of interest when you're treating these patients. A big conflict of interest is resource utilization. So when you have a patient in the ICU, sometimes it's easy to look at them as they're just consuming a vast quantity of resources for what we surmise is a poor quality of life we really have to take a step back and understand that we may or may not be able to assess or judge this patient's quality of life first. And then second, when it comes down to resource allocation, you know, what is the end goal to deliver the health or the cheapest healthcare possible or to do what's best for the patient? And so many times finances and compensation can come into play or at least start to cloud our judgment. What are the limits imposed on patient confidentiality by the legitimate interest of, Third parties. So who all gets to know the patient's information and how does that affect who is or is not making medical decisions? Are there any religious factors that are influencing these decisions? What legal issues might arise depending on the course of action that you take? Are there any considerations for public health and safety that are going to influence a clinical decision? So right now with the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of overlap and blurring of the lines because there's such a huge impact on public health that that definitely influences some of the decisions that we have to make. Highly recommend uh, getting a copy of this book if, if you do frequently come into contact with ethical dilemmas. Um, again, it's called Clinical Ethics, A Practical Approach to Ethical Decisions in Clinical Medicine. Thanks so much for listening this week. Um, really appreciate you guys. If you have time, definitely go to iTunes and comment, like, leave a review in the show. It really does help us grow. I think in the future I may split this podcast out into its own separate podcast ethically sourced. Right now I kind of piggyback and get along with the Black Doctors podcast, but we'll see where we go from here um, and just stay along for the ride. As usual, you can look me up on on Google. I just read it my website. So would love to have your feedback. Let me know what you think. It's stephenbradleymd.com. That is Stephen with a V. You can go there. I recently updated the website. You can click a link where you can help support the show. You can also uh, submit your questions. I have links there if you're interested in military medicine, if you're interested in clinical medical ethics or health equity, or if you'd like to have me speak to your group or, or have a discussion or, or moderate a, a panel for you as well. All that's available on the website, again, at stephenbradleymd.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Please tune in on Monday for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. It's going to be featuring Dr. Brittany Halford. She was on the show previously, but she's back. And this episode is specifically geared towards finances for the new physician. By new physician, I'm referring to those folks that just graduated from medical school that have matched and are headed off into their first Jobs, i.e., residency. So definitely tune in. Thanks again for listening to Ethically Sourced, the podcast that empowers you to make equitable and ethical decisions for the benefit of your patients.